Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Conservation, a laid-back podcast where we discuss everything from cool animals, conservation, the environment, and what we can do to help. I'm Robert Pike, a field journalist for the Global Conservation Force, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Veal, a world-renowned rhino conservationist and president of the Global Conservation Force. Welcome back to Season 2, Episode 2, Behind the Scenes Campfire Stories uh, with Calvin Mike and Robert. Uh, listener discretion is advised on these. These are a little bit over the top, but more for the behind the scenes fun of it all. Uh, with that, I'm going to roll right back into it. The, um, you know, gosh, I'm trying to, I'm going to pull it up real quick. It's, it's the, uh, I know we've used this theory and I don't think we did any historical check, um, but it's a theory where uh, you think about what you're, product idea is drunk and sober um ah, let me see, pull it up this we can do <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, i'm happy to say i'm an expert so carry on yeah. so, okay so i'll just say you know by default so i just pulled it up real quick so ancient persian culture used to have their idea and think through it drunk and sober, which I know we've done many times. Um, so maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe that's how we're coming to these, these conclusions where we've refined it on both sides of the uh, oh, mental spectrum, uh, <laughs> being sober. And being... <laughs> I, I think we took it a step further. I think we, 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 we refine our ideas drunk, hungover, and sober. I think we, 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 we really we, we do triple check. So. There's, a pur- yeah, there's a purgatory phase, which is the hungover factor, right? <laughs> Um, I was going to move into some some other context. I mean, so between the group of us, we've all seen some really cool spots in the world. Um, I was going to just ask each one of you guys, what has where's where's your favorite spot you've been? What is your favorite food uh, outside of that? And then what is your favorite thing to do for downtime? Because I think. Um, I think that's something we get asked. Well, I mean, I get asked that too, because people just see the, they see the conservation and the anti-poaching side and they are almost wondering like, where's the humans, the human normal side in this. Um, but I do commonly come back to like my favorite things that are going back to the bush, specifically certain areas of the continent of Africa, um, certain beaches, um, fishing in the downtime if I can. I brought my fishing pole on this last, tri- last trip and I only got in the water once, but um, still was worth it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hein, where where has your favorite spot been while working in any of this? Well, um, I, I think in conservation specifically, I would, I would still rate um, KZN and also the Eastern Cape. And that's that's definitely not for the actual conservation side of things, but most definitely just because I absolutely love the ocean. And uh, yeah. being able to do uh, conservation stuff, like for instance, uh, the, the, like going with, with, uh, with GCF and providing training um, and being able to be close to the ocean, even if I can just see it, um, that for me is just the, absolute absolute pinnacle of it so i would say definitely uh kazulu natal um and 
and and the Eastern Cape uh, in South Africa. I think that was just the top. Uh, I and mean, then, if you can if you can top it off with going to Sudwana and doing some scuba diving, <laughs> I mean, then uh, why not? You know, and having a looking for Leo having Blurnons. a few crates of beer, you know, so <laughs> always good. <laughs> what's uh, so in that? What's what's your uh, favorite downtime or favorite food? I should say, just in general. Favorite food is just. I'm gonna say it's something meat. Red meat, my friend. Anything red meat. A steak, yeah. big, thick, and meaty. <laughs> Are we still talking about food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I think I'll, I'll leave you on that one. You, well, I'll leave you confused. Your last one is um, what's your favorite thing to do in downtime? Downtime. With your downtime. Downtime. I don't know. What is downtime, my friend? When lost and I, I have something I, like We that. don't have a different definition of it because uh, I, for one, can't sit still. So, like, I know my downtime is still not what other people would consider downtime. But, yeah. I mean, is it meat sweats because you're after the beer? Or, I mean, <laughs> when you're on my level of eating meat, there's no meat sweats. Yeah, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, downtime, bro, is probably getting outdoors uh checking out some nature uh, i don't know getting on a mountain getting in the ocean um but keeping it relaxed you know um having a few beers with friends definitely that's my that's yeah. my thing yeah cal what about you dude i know you've been in a lot of places now so there's probably some some little gems hidden on the map i've been um massively fortunate in my career to oh, geez i've seen the world um, I'm not gonna lie, Mike. Uh, going up to the Sequoia with you, buddy, was a, a life-changing experience, man. I, I absolutely, that was a good one. Um, I love that, dude. Having bears running around, catching the trout up in the lake, in the in you know, the high altitude lakes, um, that was life-changing, man. I, I'd never seen proper snow before. Never mind, you know, caught a fish <laughs> in a frozen lake. So uh, that that was that was really cool, man. That was probably one of the most special experiences I've had with with good people and, and good friends and yourself, you know. That was by far, you know, a, a real experience for me. Prior to that, you know, I'd, I'd spent most of my time in Africa, you know, and Africa's beautiful, but it's also pretty ugly <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence, you know. You, you see a lot of good places, but you see a lot of shitholes as well, you know. So <laughs> to go to, to America and, and see, you know, California, San Diego, even places, you know, like uh, Carlsbad and those areas, you know, That's, that was quite a good trip. Um, that was I cool. really enjoyed it, man. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, work-wise, as in anti-poaching work, um, the current state of, of Burma, Myanmar, as it's known now, that Super. was that was that was wild. That was you know pristine uh, jungle, you know like primary jungle. Uh, seeing animals that were previously thought extinct and and working with the current people, that was that was real special for me. Um, work-wise, that's for sure probably one of the most wild wild things I've done um food I'll, I'll go with hein with um thick and meaty you know that's uh, a, a good a good thick meaty uh, i won't put the word veiny in there but um yeah. uh, <laughs> red, red meat a well done medium rare steak nothing can touch it you know yeah. uh cook, cooked on the open flame uh, that, Pro- that's, proper that's, south african bry style yeah yeah 100 nothing if i had to be on death row and, and ask my last meal it would be a steak that I cooked on a fire. You know, that's that's real good. And then downtime, yeah, man. Anything to do with um, the coast? I, I love surfing, fishing, diving. Um, any anything coastal? You know, I I grew up in Cape Town with with both the oceans on my doorstep. 
spent a good 10 years in, in the sticks of, of, you know, Africa, South Africa, where I was quite far from the ocean. And I've, I've just been attracted back to the ocean where my job revolves around it now, uh, which is which is great. I love the ocean. And, and as you said, spending time with friends, you know, if you have to ask me, you know, some of the, the happiest moments of my life is, is with you boys in Sedwana Bay, you know. Having having beers in the evening, getting you know, yeah. getting jolly, and then that was you know, struggling fun. struggling to wake up and blaming the throwing up and the seasickness, which it definitely wasn't. You know? <laughs> and then and then yeah, the, uh, was the poor awesome young trip, dive instructor who is who is uh, trying to corral all the feral cats, and uh, we were too busy talking about megalodons <laughs> and leopardons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that what was that? It was a eighteen year old. Oh, dude, well, yeah. I would say yeah. he was still a boy. He's and a dive was, master. We were, we were yeah, he was a our, uh, dive master. Advanced, advanced open water, weren't we? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he was, like, asking, like, yeah, you know, we need to be there for our exams at 7 p.m. And we were like, okay, do we have to be sober for this? <laughs> and I mean, taking into account, this is the second time I'm doing the course because I'm, <laughs> I was just cheaper to do the course to get dives. <laughs> dude, that course is amazing. Though. But, yeah, it, that was epic. Yeah. yeah, that was a. I mean, we had such good conditions, didn't we? That was oh honestly yeah. like twenty-five meter plus fizz. Amazing we saw, like, dives. Everything, really? We had those um, those big manta rays on the deep dive, which was which was really cool oh, to yeah. see. Saw the black tip and the white tip uh, reef sharks, which was mm. which was awesome. Massive potato and, bass. Uh, yeah, yeah, that thing was really cool, wasn't it? I saw photos of that somewhere. Yeah, um, Dude, that thing was epic. That's some yeah, that that's was, some good diving, you know. Um, for yeah. people maybe in the states that that like scuba diving, that's that's a uh, South Africa that's got a lot it's of good diving spots. Uh, scuba diving amazing. spots, pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it's probably uh, still one of the best spots I've ever seen. Uh, out of all the places I've dove, uh, free diving and, and and with tanks, that it's still it still takes the top bar. With a couple of spots that were like very close to it uh, in Indonesia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah we're very fortunate. I think uh, we need to plan a, a reunion at some point for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think another trip is in order. I think that'll be good. <laughs> this this time, unfortunately, we just have a little bit more money. So, uh, well, <laughs> we'll probably drink a little bit more. That is definitely bit. not a positive <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, unfortunately. Yeah. Eat, eat, eat more thick meats, you know. It starts with the apology, yeah. I'm gonna be buoyant on that trip, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, and that, Robert, that I great. mean, I mean, but uh, sorry, just uh, interrupting. Oh, you. No, I think uh, just to put it into context. Uh, this whole trip happened, I think, for your listeners uh years and years ago when uh, when we met Mike. Uh, he came over by that back back then. He was still with his uh, organization, I believe it was called Fight with Mike. Uh, if I'm yeah, right. we were in the trial phase yeah. of GCF because I, I didn't yes. want to do anything under NGO product yet until we had everything kind of finalized of how we would do it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you were like doing your your like uh, one man show type of you know here here to, to try and help out where you can and do what you can and and and. Mike came over and he ran the the anti poaching course that that we we spoke about in the, in the previous post, previous podcast that I did with you guys, uh, which was ran by uh, Calvin as the head instructor at that time, and me being an a, an assistant instructor, and uh, just going through this 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 crazy course and 
I mean, you can you if you really want to get into that, uh, there's another, a whole other podcast on it. I think that's also like three hours of, <laughs> of, of oh, just yeah. crazy stories. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, after that whole course, uh, me and Calvin came up with the brilliant idea of saying, you know what, uh, we've got a car. We like the ocean and scuba diving. And yes. uh, how about we ask these guys would they like to fund the trip? <laughs> and then we'll take them on a little local, locally sourced tour <laughs> to Sodwana and uh, basically just like cover the cost of fuel. Ended up uh, having Mike say, you know what, uh, he'll he'll pocket up some, some fuel money. Uh, obviously that time as the... Uh, we didn't have any money of our own, actually, uh, being approaching uh, <laughs> rangers and, and very young. Um, and we ended up with some other random dude that I, I don't think we should get in too much here. Um, that was also on the course, going up, uh, driving all the way from Sodwana to, uh, sorry, from Hootspray to Sodwana in a Chevy Spark uh, <laughs> with, with Calvin's <laughs> beatbox on the dashboard. <laughs> the thing doesn't even have aircon. Like driving, I think it was like we couldn't breach, like, we just couldn't go over like a hundred kilometers an hour or something. Just like blow up like halfway yeah. down the It was just like chaos, getting, like, getting there all the way to the Sodwana and we were like, okay, cool. We could do some diving, but Per dive to rent the boat and get the dive master is pretty expensive. So why not just, you know, do another advanced course <laughs> in, in scuba diving? So we all jumped on this course with this, uh, and it was so bad for this guy because I mean we're all, uh, you know, pretty outspoken guys, and uh, it was just this eighteen-year-old kid that was the dive instructor trying to teach us, which already know. We already knew how to dive. We already went through the course, but it was cheaper, and he had to do his job. And it was horrendous for this young man. He was just trying his best, but it was just going nowhere. I think at a point there was, <laughs> it was a point where I had to be like, okay, Calvin, Mike, we we kind of just need to act like we're listening to this guy now because he's gonna pull this course. He's done. He's like, he's, he's not happy out. anymore. And um, we yeah. we just spent what six weeks, you know. In the bush. pretty much no drinking being thrashed until four o'clock in the morning you know yep pretty much training guys you know being charged by elephants charged by buffalo you're on the range every other day you know after six weeks you, you you're pretty much invincible aren't you and you don't you don't really care about anything other than just having a good time you know that that poor child you know i think back to him he was a child you know he's, he's just trying to do his job and and teach us how to dive and Oh, I don't, I don't envy him at all. He, he had a yeah. tough time. Oh, that was a drip. That was a, we, we put the job in that for him for sure. But I mean, money. yeah, he had to earn it. I mean, to keeping in mind, you know, a lot of these guys, they, uh, <clears throat> they choose to do it. Cause it's like the, the ultimate dive location to like go be a, a dive captain or sorry, a dive master at. And you get a group like us, and we were just literally taking every second and enjoying it tenfold. Yeah, he just was glazing over every day. Yeah, well, I mean, this guy by the, I mean, how old were we in that time? I think we were like twenty-two to twenty-four in the range of the. Yeah, and uh, we. (laughs) We we were there to have fun, man. We were there to have beers, have good food and and dive you know and and this guy was like 
for some reason he just he just didn't want to accept that we already know what we're doing and, and this is just the cheapest option for us and uh, i remember this guy just really having the worst time ever because we'd be like okay cool uh we have a test tomorrow uh, that you have to write and we're like ah but do we really have to write this i mean like let's be honest now like we could just come and sit here and you could have a beer with us and we could discuss this <laughs> and this guy I obviously that he has he has standards he has ethics that he has to uphold and and this poor man was just like he, he was working hard i mean we did actually funny enough end up freaking writing that test and we passed it somehow um, I think just on general I do from remember our clearly courses. being a uh, Vintic draft bottle on my desk when I was writing that test, though. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was I sticking think we with Castle actually- Lake. We were actually frying a chicken while we were writing that test. You were hundred percent right. That Somebody got up like every five minutes to go and check the fucking chicken. <laughs> we were writing the test. I was just losing his mind. He was like, "No, no, no." I remember that this guy was very, very. He was getting very serious on saying he's pulling this. He's not going to give us anything. Or any, not that we needed it. We were certified, but I mean, you know. Yeah, I remember coming back and, and he had that whole conversation about pulling it. And I was like, guys, maybe we should just like take a step back, you know, just give the guy a breather for a day. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, awesome. That was an amazing trip. Uh, yeah, dude, those memories, especially between all the seriousness of everything else that was going on, like it was the perfect balance to how crazy the, the weeks prior had been. Uh, Robert, I know you've been uh, to a lot of spots as well, um, not in some of the same capacities as obviously this, but you've seen a lot of really yeah. cool spots as well. What's been your favorite spot? Um, would be that time you and I were in Java in our 15-mile hike with no water, which would probably be my favorite spot. Oh, we, my gosh, yes. We get, and the only thing we had to drink was those oranges that we couldn't eat. They were like, they were so, I don't even know what they were like, but they were like, there were these wild Javan Indonesian oranges, but they were so thick, you couldn't actually eat them. So you just had to like put them in your mouth and kind of mush them around. And that was our only water for like seven miles. And it turns out that the, one of the rangers that was with us had this huge pole. And on the, on the side of the poles was these two giant bags filled with water and food. And Mike and I are trying to like, we were just trying to like, savor everything we had we we're just like okay don't swallow your spit like we have to we have to conserve and the worst yeah, part it got real bad it, it got, got really bad. bad and we finally get to where we needed to go and this ranger is like oh hey welcome welcome to our camp like how is everything i'm like water do you have water <laughs> we went to a well and mike and i were just drinking just gallons and gallons and gallons. Okay, so to put this in the reference too, we were on patrol with the Java National Park crew, and we had asked them, do we need to bring anything for this? Yeah. And they said no. And just before this, my entire patrol kit and my entire backpack had gotten left at one of the fixer's houses because when I asked them, are we going to use this today? He said, no, we'll come back for it. They left all my patrol kit, all my backpack, and then put it all the way back. <laughs> like it's like four three hours, hours away. Yeah. yeah. And then so we get to the national park, and then the guys are like, oh, no, you guys won't need anything. We, these guys are going to carry – we're getting to these ranger stations. It was over 100 degrees, and it was over, like, 90% humidity. Like, 
everything was wet. <clears throat> and oh, when, like, you couldn't keep anything dry, like, at all. And when we stopped, I asked, I was like, hey, so do we have a water plan? You know, like the first sta- station. And the Indonesian guy goes, no. And, and we cut a root. And we drank from the root from one of the, like, the big trees there. And I'm like, oh, geez. And so, like, I go back to Robert. And we had Ashley with us. Remember, she wasn't planning to go with us. Yep. Ashley ended up being uh, a casualty of the same, we call it Hello Kitty, kid- Hello Kitty kidnapping of my stuff. Because my room was, I got put in the Hello Kitty room. Like, it was the most random thing. And it was so, really weird, yeah. So, it was a homestay. And it was this whole thing. So, first of all, Ashley wasn't planning to go on the patrol. She ended up on the patrol with us. They didn't have water for us, so we thought. So then I, I go to Ashley and Rama and go, hey, so we are actually starting a patrol trip. And we it looks like we're going to be holding off on water until we get to the Ranger Base Station. And it's like, I think it was 10Ks to that next location through the jungle. <clears throat> and... Robert's already looking like he's going to pass out. Yeah. And this Ashley, is when I had all my hair too. So I was like, it was, it was like a, a, a oven on my head. And you had a backpack of lenses and a backpack. I had like 20 pounds of camera gear. And then Ashley had a single water bottle, a single like side strap, small one. And Ashley ended up getting heat stroke uh, oh, on that same tour. Shit. Yeah. And we ended up having to stop the whole convoy. And it wasn't until it wasn't until Ashley got heat stroke that one of the dudes pops out a water bottle mm-hmm. out of out of nowhere, and we go, "Dude, where's that been?" Like the yeah. entire time, <laughs> our lips are all chapped. We're like, <laughs> it was cr- it, it was crazy. It was pretty and, funny because the, the jungle has a different vibe. Yeah, and like why we're why we're hiking, right? We we hear like glimpses, and or we hear like the what could be job and rhinos. And I remember Mike and Ashley, they were like, we stopped and we oh. saw this footprint and they were like blowing their mind. They're like, oh my God, look at this footprint. This is amazing. And this is my first deployment ever. And I had never been like on deployment before. And they're like, look at this track. These tracks are so fresh. There has to be one near. And I'm like, guys, where, where's the track? You know, what are you guys looking at? And Mike's like, bro, you're standing on the rhino footprint. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're they're geeking out and i'm like what's up guys and i step right on the track he literally walks right into like if you were gonna foot cast a job and rhino footprint like it was perfect, the it one was the perfect and one. robert's like hey guys where are the footprints smashed like right in the middle of it i'm like oh and it happened like three different times so like the running yeah. gag was like anytime you need to find a, a job and footprint or a job and rhino footprint just look under my feet and i was standing on one <laughs> um okay so with that did you have your favorite food in indonesia as well or is your favorite food somewhere else my favorite food would have to be fat bread in in south africa i've I've, Uh, yeah fat yeah 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 Uh, oh it's so good okay that's a vibe this this goes into another story that i'm gonna elbow real quick because uh unfortunately calvin and robert got missed this one but um, when I threw on my extra American accent and asked for a rooster cock. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that was brilliant. That Wait, was what? brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah Hein was, Hein was like, like turning visibly red in the face <laughs> and trying to wear his hat because I don't know how we got it, but we were with this and we had gone to this little nice little stopover 
And um, I can't say the word 100% to African standard, but it's a rusukuk. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> and I can't say it 100%. <laughs> but if, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you look at how it's spelled in English, it's rooster yeah. and cock. And <laughs> <laughs> so what's the origins like? What's that Afrikaans origin? Like, what is it? I will let, uh, I will let the, uh, the token one answer. Yeah, so that's a, a type of bread. Um, oh, okay. It's it's almost like a it's a it's a type of white bread um, that it's like kind of I would say a traditional type of bread, but it's usually homemade, and um, you would cook it over an open open fire on a grid uh, on a, mm. a rooster. It's the Afrikaans word for grid, and okay. so it translates to grid cake if you would say it like that, but it's a type of white bread. It's, it's, it's pretty damn good, super fluffy inside, nice and crispy outside. Um, and then uh, Mike realized delicious. that this must mm. be some form of rooster cock. So, uh, and I, I must make a joke out of this. Because <laughs> when on very serious things, again, we have to find the humor and everything. And I knew, I, well, I suspected, I didn't know for sure. I suspected that um, the wait staff at the restaurant would not understand what I was saying anyways, which made it even more funny because Hein was basically the only captive to the joke because this missed it just by chance because he ended up walking one of the canines. Mm-hmm. And then Dylan was sitting with us. And Dylan is one of the GCF uh, team members as well. He's an intern and he was on this trip with us. Uh, but Dylan was in his true Dylan state more I think fixated on something else. So it you know, it basically became between the two of us laughing ourselves. I love together. it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, so you, I mean, that's your favorite, that's your favorite food then, huh? It's, yeah, it's, man, uh, I love it. It's so good. Did, did you have it with, um, with mincemeat or is it just, just by itself? I had it. We, uh, we slow cooked Impala with it. So it was yeah. that. And then, okay. Um, yeah. That'll be nice. Impala from the crock pot. A, a very traditional way of, of eating uh, fat cookers with uh, like a mincemeat. Oh really? Yeah. In the fat cook, yeah, oh, it's, so it's really good, really good. Wait, wait. did you guys notice he just called it a he called it a crock pot? Yeah, you, I've noticed <laughs> neither of you guys blinked at that. What is it? What's it? It's a poiki. poiki pot. A point? Yeah. What? Oh yeah, it is a poiki. That's pot. not a crock pot. Well, crock pot's <laughs> like a like. A, like this is that's not the same thing, Robert. Let's be honest here, man. <laughs> like a okay, so a poiki pot. I thought it was something you put over the fire, or is that or is it just is oh. it the same same? Yeah, well, was it the same uh, pot that you put like on a, the fire? Wait, did they what actually use a crock pot? Yeah, it was Maybe actually it was like a crock pot. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> a crock pot. Because I know what a poiki pot was. Wait, I, so what oh, you're trying to say okay. is Mike's mistaking. This was a normal pot yeah, so on that was, the stove. That, okay, well, God damn it, on Mike. Then. <laughs> um, well, there was another one. Do you guys remember when we were in Sedwana, I was calling the cast iron pot what we would call it here in the States, and the both of you... Literally, like, shut your mouth, shut your mouth, shut your mouth. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. But, it, like, it took you guys, like, four times to tell me to shut up. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Because li- <laughs> we call the cast iron pans here Dutch ovens. And yeah. over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Do you know what a Dutch oven is? Dutch oven. It's not something you cook out of. <laughs> I can, but it would taste terrible. Oh my lord! <laughs> yeah. So basically, there was this like massive yoked 
South African dude with his family in a bride. And I was like yeah. super excited. I was like, oh, shoot, check that out. That guy's got his, his Dutch oven. And they're like, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. They're just like, they're like, stop it. I was like, what? And like, I, I was like, is it the Dutch oven? Like, shut up. I was like, yeah. what? Because this dude is like, he's just like ready to impale us. Like, he's like, oh, God. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was a good one. I was going to say that brings up a really good point just because like, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm looking at three generations basically of anti-poaching and like Calvin's like the godfather of anti-poaching, which I think is really cool. But um, <laughs> you know, um, Please, man. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's, I'll I mean, obviously going to let you forget that Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm more like that, like that uncle that you don't really want around at the barbecue. <laughs> But you guys, I mean, uh, you guys both trained Mike. I mean, do you guys have any cool collective, like, funny stories of Mike as a as a recruit? Because if I remember correctly, Bro, he was the only American. Plenty. Oh yeah. These guys literally, I could tell I needed to keep my mouth shut as soon as I saw both these guys because they both had this grin out of oh, the yeah. side of their mouth. They're like, "This yank will die." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think one of my favorite uh, memories of, of Mike. Uh, I think it was, it wasn't malaria, but it was, it was one of those tick African tick diseases that everyone gets, tick bite fever, there yeah. we go. And uh, he, he was kind of from the get-go, like mega passionate and, and mega keen, which which I love in a in a student um, or a recruit, if it's a bit of terminology. And you can't really show it as, as a trainer because, you know, until the person actually finishes and passes out, um, you're not gonna let them know that you know there's no favoritism and yeah. you've got to treat everyone like fairly. Uh, but I could see Mike had had passion from the get go, and and when someone's enjoying something a little bit too much, you you try your best to to knock them down a peg. You know, yeah. you, can't, so, <laughs> you can't have someone who's. It, it makes you feel a bit uh, insecure as an instructor if if your recruits are enjoying themselves. You know, um, the why are you be, smiling? He came to me uh, when we were in the field on one of our four-day uh, field exercises. On like the first day, he's like, "Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit sick." Uh, in my head, I was like, "Good, you little shit, you know, if I can suffer." Uh, <laughs> how much? How much do you learn? <laughs> but it was the first day I ever saw him without a smile on his face. So, kind of uh, went back and I was like, "All right, maybe something is wrong with this guy, but I'm I'm gonna test him a little bit, yeah, you know, keep keep a stronger eye on him." Yeah, and. Uh, I think it was the next day or the following day he was literally on death's door <laughs> about to die and I was oh, like really? <laughs> maybe I should have listened to this <laughs> turns out he had tick bite fever and if you leave it too long you can literally die so really? <laughs> I was like yeah that's alright you'll be fine give him some water you know you'll, you'll make it oh, you definitely build character I remember too I was like I remember I was like that that whole thing of like not showing too much excitement, but I'd already lost that card because at one point, Hein literally walked up to me while we're in standing formation with the like the morning drill, and he goes, "Why are you smiling?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," <laughs> it was solid because it made me laugh. I mean, I couldn't laugh there, but I had to laugh yeah. about it later. Um, that and then when I finally showed them these blisters I had on the bottom of my feet. Uh, I think Hein nearly vomited. Uh, no, no. I was trying not to. That wasn't me. <laughs> I, that... <laughs> okay. Because... So that whole story is 
uh, Mike showed me the bottom of his feet. So I saw the bottom of his feet, which I was like, this is bad. I need to apply some fucking medical attention to these guys. Like, so I line up the whole, uh, like the whole trade information. So they all fall into platoon information. I tell them all, sit down, take off your shoes. It's time for a feet inspection now. And we're doing a foot inspection. And this is the first training course I think that has ever really 100% listened to don't take your boots off. Like, mm. we yes. do explain yes. that there's times that you should take your boots off and air your feet out and change your socks and keep hygiene up. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just a, a basic thing of just don't be without boots when you're sitting in the bush. You might need them. Don't go and put them under the tree. You know, you sit there half naked under, uh, under another bush, you know. So... No, I'm checking. Okay, we, we take off these guys' boots. And I was super surprised. I was like, how on earth did these guys get this right? And uh, I just see blisters everywhere. And some of these guys, <laughs> I could see these blisters are going to get infected. This is bad. I need really? to really do some some serious like intervention here to, to, to keep these guys going. You, you, obviously, you want to make things realistic and hard, but you, you also don't want to unnecessarily lose a guy off a course for something stupid and it got okay so i got the guys up on a chair i had some uh makira crumb i had a i had a needle there and some gloves and stuff and uh basically just asked the guys can, can we sort this out they're like cool yeah let's do this and we start popping blisters and i remember okay cool we did all the guys blisters it's coming around and you know some of the guys have some infected blisters so as you pop it it's just a like stream of pus that's just spraying out of that blister and cool. that's just like bad it was rancid it was stinky <laughs> it was bad but i'm like cool it's here i need to get these guys sorted it has to happen and i just remember popping a blister from this one guy which for some reason was the guy with the biggest blister it was like half of the front of his foot like the sole was a massive really? blister and i popped this blister and i pushed it and it just sprayed white yellow pus like all over the place and calvin at that time literally came up like coming in from somewhere else and checking up on am i still busy with the correct stuff and he looked over my shoulder and i just hear I, I, I think it was the words of, oh my God, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I just hear this like sound of him just like retching, like, Aah! Aah! and I just hear him like gagging here behind me, like, <laughs> just hear a guy that's going to solidly vomit. And I mean, justified because he had no context coming into this. He just sees this like big ball of pus exploding <laughs> out of wow. nowhere. It was uh, disgusting, um, but that was that was a bit bad. I, that was a, uh, as I said, the first time that I've seen any trainees take take things a bit too literally. I think, uh, Mike, you guys were probably not the smartest course we've ever had, but uh, a very <laughs> literal course, if we could say it like that. Yeah, that was that was one because we had done like several days through wet grass, and none of us could get our shoes dry. And I remember like the build up to it, and I was like, dude, my feet are so screwed. It's one of those things that it takes us right back to what we were talking about earlier. And uh, I was still a very young instructor at the time, even though I was, you know, head of the course. Uh, you know, I've been only instructing maybe for for a year or so, and 
seeing seeing that and, and you live and learn and then you just you, you increase the amount of foot checks and you, and you make sure that they are absorbing the knowledge and, and taking it on and without you know me coming to throw my guts up you know uh, it's, a, it's a lesson learned and, and I'll, I'll absolutely have humility in the fact that that came down to us as instructors you know we shouldn't yeah. have let it get yeah. to that point uh, we, we should have done foot inspections more regularly or made sure that they were following the rules properly and um, yeah that's just that's how you gain experience and, and gain knowledge you know sure yeah definitely and we were we were some seriously young men back there uh, yeah. and uh, I think it's definitely as you say um, it's it's great stuff that we had the privilege of starting there and having like time to grow and learn and end up in more professional becoming more professional and even ending up in, in very highly professional units where we now have the ability to do a course and and having already made all the mistakes and not having that happen yeah. again uh definitely happy yeah. that we had that learning experience sir. Yeah. yeah you, you there's there's like a, a crossover where you realize you don't wait for them to tell you there's an issue you would you watch them almost like you're watching a herd of animals and you notice an atypical behavior stand out and you're like something's wrong with that one sure. and then you like oh, yes. you call yeah. on it you go you go let me see your feet or you go let me see your hand because they you notice all of a sudden one's got his hand closed and there's like a, a cut to the bone you know, they did something stupid with a knife and they don't want to Dropped tell you. Off on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, um, now, do you guys, um, you know, because you have such a, a depth of, of knowledge in the anti-poaching world, do you see a, like, I guess, a difference from this new generation of anti-poaching units coming in versus when you guys were training, when you guys were patrolling? Um. First thing, I, I do think we, we've spoken a lot, and yeah, we do have knowledge, but uh, we are by far from you know the the experts in the field. Sure. Um, there there are a lot of people out there who know who know a lot. So I just want to get that out there now. Like, um, we're not we're not the people who know the most for sure. Uh, but to come back to your question, uh, unfortunately, not just in South Africa, but in society, uh, the generations are getting. Um, I don't want to use the word softer, but I don't, I don't have the vocabulary enough to think of a better word. Uh, the generations are definitely getting, getting a bit softer. And this is coming down to um, the way that life is, is, is tailored to a point where we don't want anybody, rightfully so, to experience um, pain. We don't want anyone to experience death. We don't want anyone to experience hardship. Um, you know, so food gets better, school gets easier, um, television programming gets lighter. And uh, the, the end product is, is someone entering into the industry with a little bit less of life experience uh, that we had growing up in, in South Africa and America, I'm sure, as well. Um, life does just tend to, to get a bit easier. So uh, you do have to tailor your training uh, for that. And you can't mm -hmm. just have this very old school uh, way of doing things and saying, we're going to just do it the way it is. If they don't make it, they don't make it. Because if you, if you keep things the way they were, you, no one's going to finish. And we don't want to lose people who were moldable, people who were willing to adapt. Just our, our methods were, were a little bit too harsh to begin with. Uh, so in my short time, uh, six years of, of being a, an instructor, uh, I saw a difference of the caliber of, of people coming in, you know, towards the end, there were, there were guys coming in who didn't know how to play cricket. And in my eyes, that was just 
unthinkable as a young South African male that there were guys who, who literally didn't know how to play cricket. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just it's just a natural evolution, I suppose. And it's all it all comes back to just be forward thinking and then continuously adapting and changing the way we do things to to mold it, uh, to to counter to cater for for these these guys who are coming in with less life experience but just as much passion, just as much drive. And again, we, we, we talk about the same things, but this isn't the military, this isn't a war, and we don't need these mega resilient guys who are willing to walk twenty five kilometers with with a rucksack because. Let's be honest, I've been a ranger for many years and I've never had to walk 25 kilometers with a 50 kilogram rucksack, you know, yeah. so uh, um, there's no need to make it mega tough or mega strenuous. You know, if someone's got the passion and the drive, we can use them, you know. Um, yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I agree uh, with Calvin on that. Um, you know, the guys might not be the same type of resilient that you, you would see um, back in the day. But as he says, the, the, the need is sometimes having a more, I would say, intelligent uh, or a nimble person that can adapt easier and do the job rather than having, as you, I would describe it as a pack donkey, a guy that's unbelievably super strong, but he doesn't understand what he needs to do in his job. And adapting training to that um, and again, I agree with Calvin. We are most definitely not the, the 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 alpha and omega in training. There's absolutely awesome people out there that that can also provide training. And um, as we said earlier in in in, in this conversation, we, we definitely don't uh, rate ourselves to be better than anybody. Um, but you need to adapt training for the like current situation and also how where we're going into the future with uh with your rangers and uh using modern training techniques um and 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 like just being able to communicate um with young i would say men and women that is coming out of um out of the generations that, that that you do see today there's a lot of criticism to towards the young people of today but some of the those young people are still pitching up they're still here to help they still want to try and do it and yes maybe they might might be a bit a little bit more difficult in some aspects to train but they've got a lot to offer and yeah. uh, i agree 100 percent with calvin if you can do it right you can get a product or a ranger if i could say it at the end of the day that is just as good. Yeah, I think that, and I, I agree with everything they said as well. I think mm -hmm. that it's an easy excuse to blame um, a candidate if you're not able to provide the outcome of a product as the instructor. So at that point, if you have a change in what your incoming student is like, then you need to find the measures and tools and communication to get to the same goal at the end of the day. And um, I would say what I what we've noticed in some of the areas have been more dependency on technology, less, uh, less time spent outside. Mm -hmm. And the there's a little bit of a slower on take to some of the, I don't know, realities of what it is to be outside. But at that time, at that's the same pace. There's still people who are showing up um, We'll use Dylan again. Um, Dylan was our intern on this tour, and uh, 
he rode through training course after training course with all the different APUs, and <laughs> he ended up on the last day getting royally um, smashed in a uh, suspect procedure that Hein and the crew was teaching, and he didn't complain. He didn't uh, throw a fit, and Dylan's a younger guy. I think Dylan's, um, I think he's just about 21 now, um, or just about to turn 21. And so, you know, it's a, a, you know, he's different than younger versions of our own selves, but at the same time, he pitched up and did all the stuff, uh, different kind of coursework, of course, but he has the passion and is willing to learn and um, scoped through all the things and had fun. And we had fun teaching him what he was learning along the way. Yeah. Definitely. So, but yeah, uh, shoot. Well, guys, I think. We're hitting pretty late for you guys. Two hour and mark. Yeah, we definitely need to come back and do another podcast run. Um, I'm excited we got to start season two like this because I, like I said, I had planned to push in with like a big episode, but then I was like, just everything in how life gets busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our, our listeners and everybody tagging along for the storyline, there are a lot more interviews coming up. We're catching back up again on those things. Um it's just the uh, tug and pull between what we're doing in the field and internet reception and busy schedules yeah, and coming back to this. So we've got a whole new season of things coming into play and definitely going to have Calvin and Hein back on so we can talk more things. I think it would be really fun is to get this panel going and have a couple more folks talk about pros and cons of, of hunting yeah, and pros and cons of the different aspects of conservation um, because there's so many things that I know we all get asked all the time that, uh, you know, there are a lot of pros and cons again, in the industries and the, and the corners um, rarely do you find an absolute, we all have our, our things that we stand in the line with the sand, but um, I think it's important for people to hear it from people who have field experience. So they don't tune into someone who's just sitting at a computer and, and voicing opinions with no real, knowledge so yeah um what better crew than this panel to start talking into some of those more edgy topics that people make instant opinions about without having an ounce of uh reality understanding yeah so but yeah yeah cool sure stuff. um it's, it's been really good uh, catching up with you guys and that's that's what it's felt like to be honest it's just a bit of a catch-up which is which is great yeah yeah and um I think I'd be happy to, to delve uh, a bit deeper into the major issues surrounding conservation. You know, as you say, you know, hunting, uh, dehorning, legalization of trade. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, single uh, topic issues that we can cover in, in depth, I think, on, on this time frame. So, yeah, oh, I look yeah. forward to doing it and uh, good catching up with you boys. And hopefully yeah. uh, do it again quite soon. Yeah, it was great to see you all. Yeah, it was good to see you guys. Always fun. Uh, I look forward to the next Sidwana adventure. If not, just Brian fishing and, uh, and doing it doing it through uh whatever means we can yeah. maybe we get high now this time too uh i think your your tenure visa is still good right cal yeah man i've got a couple of years and i think we need to uh, make good use of it yeah i think we need to get high now to the state so he can get chased by a bear yeah oh, i agree awesome. <laughs> i agree i i think getting chased by a bear sounds like something i need to to tick off my bucket list yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, awesome. cool. well cool guys um Thanks well, for having everybody us, Everybody tuning in. Thanks for joining us on the Season 2 kickoff of Coffee and Conservation uh, with 
my closest buddies and longtime friends in the industry. Um, so hopefully you'll catch us on the next couple episodes. Uh, we do not know the order of which we're going to release everything else next, but I promise you it'll be full of more uh, fun and conservation theme uh, conversations yep. uh, where we will all have our own versions of uh, tongue twisters that we can't pronounce properly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a proliferation of topics we can cover. <laughs> I love it. I'm gonna, yeah. I just, I like. I'll just end up freezing on a word and I won't be able to say it. But yeah. Robert, you got any closing comments, dude? No, you guys. Thank you so much for just taking the time and thank you for um, for just being outstanding people and thanks for giving Mike a hard time during training. And um, I appreciate you guys. Thank you for being awesome. Thanks, man. Cheers, guys. Well, with that, I'll catch you guys next time on the next episode of Coffee and Conservation.